Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. guys I just wanted to share a repost with you guys back in August of this year 2021 I did this awesome podcast about how God hates sin and that it is actually repulsive to him well in the podcast towards the end I couldn't for the life of me remember the particular scripture where it talks about how if you obey not the gospel that flames of fire will be in your future well that scripture is second Thessalonians 1 verses 8 through 9 I was trying to rack my brain but that scripture says in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Amen. All right, stay tuned. Here it comes. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You are not giving up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because I did a post over there on Facebook this morning aka my second job aka which i love 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 because not for nothing we do have a false church in america and around the world and people are leaving jesus at the drop of a hat at the drop of a hat you want to know why because before we get into it today about how God is disgusted by sin I just want to make this little commentary because yeah leave the church corruption absolutely but why are you leaving Jesus former Christians are lamenting how they quote-unquote left the church because of the corruption 
and the hypocrisy cool we get that listen we are to expose the heresies the false doctrines and the hypocrisy of the false brethren but i have to ask again why are you leaving the lord jesus christ why are you breaking fellowship again with the father who who brought you to jesus to be justified and sanctified I got to ask this question because could it be that you were never among us in the first place? Listen, just like John spoke about in 1 John 2.19 because I had to go and find this scripture because it always stuck with me. When he said, because see, he was speaking about the false brethren those who stand behind the pulpit knowing to be wolves in sheep clothing well this can also be applied to the one who say they were a christian were a christian how could you say you were a christian those who say oh i know the bible up and down but yeah i left the church okay because first john 2 19 says they went out from us seeming at first to be christians and this is the amplified but they were not really of us why because they were not truly born again and spiritually transformed for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out teaching false doctrine so that it would be clearly shown that none of them are of us. Amen. So my mindset is this, okay, because I too came out of the false church, out of the damnable prosperity gospel. I sat up under a mega wolf in sheep's clothing among the tens of thousands who were also indoctrinated and misled by the many false teachings there were and i'm quite sure because i didn't mingle one on one with anyone it was too many people how could you have a close fellowship with ten thousand people so i'm quite sure somewhere in that crowd there were false brethren false converts people who were there just for the show of it all so yeah once i found out through the holy spirit who opened up my eyes to church corruption at large and in particular what really goes on in mega churches i was devastated to be honest i was i was devastated i cried because i couldn't believe that this man 
had such a greed and love of money and worship and fame that he intentionally put me back up under God's curse with the false doctrine of tithing and sowing seed and led me and others but led me to believe that Jesus died that horrific death so that I could be rich and healthy that's why Jesus died so at that point I knew I couldn't go back I knew I could not go back but that didn't that didn't make me leave Jesus Oh, I left the corruption on the church because the focus should never be on the brick and the mortar of a building, but on the Holy Spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Father has sent to us to sanctify us and to conform us into the image of his Son. So it's like I'm taking issue with this this morning. Okay. So I'm like, so what? So what? There was gossip in the church building. So what? There were hypocritical Christians in the church building. So what? You got robbed, robbed and robbed the wrong way. By a false apostate preacher. Listen. <laughs> if we stay in the apostate church long enough. Yep. We will be rubbed the wrong way. But guess what? All we got to do is leave that fellowship. I can't say it enough. Leave that fellowship. Pray for discernment and return back to your first love, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we ain't got no business leaving Jesus. Because, <laughs> oh, if you think it is rough now for the church, just wait. Because Jesus done already told us over there in Revelation 2.10, where he said, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days, be thou faithful." Jesus is telling us, even in the face of the heavy persecution that is coming, that is here, be thou faithful. He is telling you, he is telling all of us to be faithful unto death. He didn't say be faithful until you can't take it no more about what the church is doing. Right, Holy Spirit? He ain't saying Oh, be faithful until that pastor keeps robbing you and now you find out about it. No, he says even unto death. So for me, that tells me that unless you are facing death and even then, we don't leave Jesus. No one is crucifying you. No one is 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 hammering spikes a uh, spike nails into your body 
So, so what about the corruption? So what? You now have questions because in your doubt, maybe you were never among us in the first place because you took your eyes off the real Jesus and now you got your eyes on a fake Jesus because now you heard somewhere down the line that Jesus was in fact black and we are the real Hebrew Israelites or some other foolish nonsense that you're now giving Jesus the side eye. No, absolutely not. You ain't got none. We ain't got no business leaving Jesus. So, because he says, be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. A crown of life. You are willing to give that up because you feel in some kind of way about organized religion. Well, then get out of religion. Get out of that. We, like I said, ain't got no business leaving Jesus. Listen, people leave churches all the time. Because of the corruption, because of the hypocrisy, because of the whatever, the people, whatever it is. You don't have to leave Jesus for that. Study at home. Sit at the feet of, uh, of Jesus at home. But you just don't leave him altogether because Revelation 21.8 starts off by saying the cowardly. And God is not talking about someone who's just scared of a bully. No, the cowardly, meaning that you knew Jesus, you tasted righteousness, you were on the right path. But because you got offended by something down at the church and you left Jesus, that's what the Bible calls being a coward. Amen. And I agree. So. That's my soapbox rant for the morning. So, let's <laughs> sit there. What in the world? Because, listen, I feel some kind of way. I feel some righteous indignation going on this morning. Because it's like, listen, do you not... Do you not know what Jesus endured how he suffered on the cross to ransom us out of sin, out of the kingdom of darkness. And just because you got some level of persecution that you just felt, well, I'm just leaving this all together. Did you do any praying before you left? D did you did you ask God for wisdom like he told us to before you left Jesus? Did you did you even consult with the Holy Spirit like what is going on here before you just up and just leave Jesus completely where you now saying nope I don't want to have nothing to do with the church I don't want to have nothing to do with Jesus and whatever reasons you feel is valid which there could never and I don't care what you say there is never no valid reason 
for leaving your first love. And that's the bottom line. So. <laughs> I can't stand it. Because it makes no sense to me. I'm all about coming up out of the apostate church. And if y'all are new to this podcast, all you got to do is just scroll back and see what I had to say about the apostate church. But we don't leave Christ Jesus because of that. So let us pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, what is going on in the body of Christ? So. Father, in the name of Jesus, I would like to pray out of 1 Peter today because maybe, no maybe, when we look to your word for our mindsets, for the clarity of the situation, this is where the focus should be on. Over here in 1 Peter 1 verse 3, all praise to God. Yes, Father, all praise to you, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, you said it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Yes, Father, now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Thank you, Father. Kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay, Father. Are you talking about our glorified bodies, our resurrected bodies? Because this body, oh, it is going to be defiled. It is going to be changed and is going to decay. But you're saying that there's something that's laid up in heaven that won't see change. That's beyond the reach of change and decay. And then in verse 5, you says, And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. Father, we know that the culmination of our salvation is the glorifying of our lowly, corruptible, perishable bodies. Amen. And then you say, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Amen. So you are telling us in verse 6, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials, people. Okay. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. So, you mean tell me just because you got offended at the church, you just up and leave? Where's your faith? 
because it's not being proved to be genuine in this situation because look what God said. Father, you said that our faith, it is being tested. Glory be to God. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So, Father, if we are leaving Jesus, we cannot enjoy in this joy that will be revealed when Jesus come. We can't shrink back. Amen. And, Father, in verse 8, because I'm praying out of 1 Peter 1 today. Verse 8, you love him. Talking about Jesus. How we love him, even though we have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with the glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Amen. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. So people, y'all want to miss out on all of this because you got offended or you found some other false teaching to, to run to and leave Jesus behind? Father, in verse 12, you said they were told, talking about the prophets, they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you, for us. And now this good news has been announced to us by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Amen. So, Father, you called, you put out a call to holy living. Where you say in verse 13, So, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all of your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Thank you, Father. You, you are telling us don't slip back into our old ways of living to satisfy our own desires. Father. We didn't know any better then. But now 
We must be holy in everything we do, just as you, Father, for you chose us to be holy. You is holy, Father, for the scriptures say in verse 16, you must be holy because I am holy. And then you say, remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorite. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must, okay, you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary resident. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited. Okay? So we don't be running out on Jesus. Listen. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. That's that sin nature from Adam. Father, you said, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom people long before the world began, but now. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Father, you said through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory. Amen. Father, you say in verse 22, you were cleansed from your sins when you obey the truth so now you must you must you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters love each other deeply with all your heart why and you tell us father for you have been born again but not to a life that will quickly end your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever and that word is the good news that was preached to you so get rid get rid of all evil behavior be done glory be to god listen we get it what goes on in these apostate church thank you father you told us be done be done with all deceit hypocrisy jealousy and all unkind speech like newborn babies you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow 
How are you going to grow if you're leaving Jesus? You ain't even get to the point of eating meat yet. But you want to leave him. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word. Glory be to God. Amen. So, folks, yeah. I am on fire today. Yeah, because see, that, do I want to say, oh, that ticked me off? Actually, it made me quite sad. It really did because that's all it took. That's that's all it took because, listen, back in Jesus' day when the multitudes and his other followers, they were one by one just leaving him. Just leaving him. Okay. He's preaching the word of God. He is. The Bible tells us that the word of God is Jesus made in the flesh. But people were leaving him then. And we're going to sit up over here in the 21st century doing the same thing. That's why Jesus was asking the question over there in John 6 verses. What is it? Like 66 to like 70. When he turned to his 12 and asked them, are you going to leave me too? Huh? Because look, everybody else is leaving because of what Jesus was preaching on. They were leaving. They were dropping off like flies. And he turned to his 12. Are you going to leave me too? And what did Peter say? Because this is what I'm saying. Because I echo Peter's sentiment. When he says, where else are we going to go? Where are, Lord, where else are we going to go? Because you have the words of eternal life. Where are you going to go? Because if you think the black Hebrew lights got eternal life, they don't. If you think that Roman Catholic pagan church, that, that synagogue of Satan got eternal life, the words of eternal life, they don't. If you think the Mormons have it, they don't. You think the Seventh-day Adventists have it, they don't. If you think the Jehovah Witnesses and the New Age and the uh, Christian Scientology have it, they don't. Why are you leaving Jesus? So, I need to get on with today's lesson because, listen, this all ties in. Because let me tell you, let me ask you this. Did you know that sin is revulsion to God? Yeah, because I have to segue this in somehow. Because Jesus is the Messiah. He's the prophesied Messiah. He's the one that was promised to come and he came. He showed up. He said the first message out the gate was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus was telling the people, you must repent from your sins, 
turn back to God because now I'm here. The kingdom of God is at hand. That means it is right here close to you. I'm here. I showed up. Amen. And so all we got to do from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation, we see how God dealt with sin, how he tells us to shun evil and that even Jesus was telling the church at Laodicea that if they don't stop their lukewarmness that he will spew them out of his mouth he will vomit them out so anytime in the Bible where we see anything about vomit is always relating to sin anytime we see anything about something being abominable is relating to sin so God's antipathy towards sin because you see antipathy a n t i p a t h y antipathy that means let me see that means to have a deep seated feeling of disgust because we see throughout the bible how god hates sin that how god is holy and just and righteous and that how jesus our lord and savior was sinless and perfect he still is always has been and when he was on this earth he was obedient to the father unto death so through his death burial and resurrection jesus dealt with the control and power that sin had over us our whole entire lives and he defeated death by his resurrection how because he remains alive still until this very day so we we know that God hates sin. He made Jesus to be sin. God wants nothing to do with sin. Because when the first parents sinned in the garden, he had to separate himself from sin, from them. By, by expelling them out of the Garden of Eden. Because if not, in that fallen nature, that fallen state, if they were to... to take part of the tree of life then man will be forever in that sinful state with no hope of return with no hope of repentance with no hope of salvation so he had to kick them out they could not touch that tree of life in that fallen state so have we ever given any thought to how God feels about sin okay because we know he hates it but in the physical terminology how he sees sin and he has antipathy towards it he has a deep-seated feeling of dislike aversion to it like for me I have an aversion to liver. I 
hate liver beets brussels sprouts they make me want to throw up just thinking about it oval ovaltine remember that chocolatey malted breakfast drink back in the 70s that our parents forced us to drink that like an aversion like it just make you want to hurl just conjuring up the thought of it let alone even drinking it so we see antipathy because i want us to milk this word because if you haven't gotten the memo already that god hates sin maybe if we put it in some natural speaking terminology about the 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 gut feeling that god has towards sin so that it too would make you want to vomit anytime you think about wanting to sin again amen so antipathy it also means having a strong animosity towards it it means repugnance which is a strong disgust for something so we see that god has a strong disgust for sin it is disgusting to him listen antipathy it means abhorrent which means a feeling of repulsion disgusting loathing and we know what loathing is right loathing is a feeling of intense dislike or disgust or hatred so the church could keep on quoting gandhi if they want to talking about how oh god hates the sin but loves the sinner when the bible tells us that he abhors the wicked okay so antipathy also means to be unable okay to be unable to stomach something is there anything in your life that if you were to think about it that you can't even stomach the thought of it let alone doing it like for me just the thought of eating beets i can't even stomach the thought of putting it in my mouth to chew it and to swallow it i can't i cannot no cuz see i was forced when i was in the foster home that foster mother forced me and my sister to eat beets she liked the beets i didn't and to this day anytime i look at a can of beets i want to vomit so what else can we say about antipathy it means to be repelled by something to keep it at arm's length to send something packing like get away from me i don't even want to look at you go go but i just want to say don't say another word get out of my face i can't stand to look at you go so 
It means to turn someone's stomach, to make them sick with revulsion. I'm I'm on purpose. I'm purpose purposely giving you the upchuck of it all, the nastiness, so that we can see sin like this because people ain't getting the memo about that lake of fire. I can assure you they not because you got Christians crying out for help, but they in sin. We know why you are in pain. We know why you are in confusion and chaos. We know why you are asking for prayers because you too know what the real issue is in your life. It is sin. That's why you're unhappy. That's why we keep making the wrong choices in relationships. It is sin. You ain't supposed to be happy and filled with joy when you are in sin. Listen, cut the sin. Get your focus back on Jesus and you will be in peace. Listen, I am a walking testimony. I am a walking miracle of the patience of God. I can assure you because Cynthia was calling herself a Christian ever since January, what was it, 6, 2002. But guess what? I was still in some sin. In my mind, my, my deceived mind, I wasn't in a whole lot of sin, but I was in sin and I wasn't repenting of that. Listen, we must repent of sin because it, it makes God want to puke out his guts, to reject, to spill out of his mouth. This is how God feels towards sin. He hates it. Yes. However, it is also repulsive to him. You know, yeah, I'm going to beat this dead horse because y'all ain't getting it, okay? You know the feeling you get right before you're about to vomit and you get that dry, heaving effect. It's like that. Have you ever like stuck your finger in the back of your throat and your stomach started that hurling effect? That point when you are about to toss your cookies and then you do the nastiness of it all? Well, that's how God feels about sin. It is disgusting to him. It is antipathy because the Bible tells us that it is like a dog returning to his vomit because if you read second peter chapter 2 down near around verse 20 to verse 22 it tells us about this the bible says that it is like a dog returning to his vomit when we after knowing the way to righteousness get entangled up and enslaved by sin again we are worse off than before, the Bible tells us. It says that it would be better if we had never, never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command we were given to live a holy life. Yup, 
is just like what it says a dog returns back to its own vomit so don't do it listen we need to flee from all immorality and wickedness you want to know why because if you stay in that unrepentant state and I don't care what you're calling yourself to be a Christian because I was deceived once too, okay? Because an unrepentant person knows that they have sinned, but guess what? They refuse to ask God for forgiveness. Amen. They they refuse to turn away from the sin. You want to know why? Because it is not disgusting to them. Nope, it don't make their stomach turn. It doesn't make them want to vomit. They feel as though, well, I'm going to get to go to heaven anyway. Those are those who sit up under that damnable once saved, always saved false gospel. And then you have the straight sinner who feels that I ain't got nothing to repent about. For what? I'm doing me. So... The unrepentant person show no remorse for their wrongdoing and don't feel the need to change. Unrepentance is the sin of willfully, willfully remaining sinful. That's something we got to look at because you got people running around here talking about how they are a Christian, but they are in willful sin. Well, the book of First John, Second John begs to differ from you calling yourself a Christian. Because it tells us, it tells us who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. That if you are in willful sin and if you don't love the brethren, then you are a liar if you call yourself a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, repentance, because that's the lane that Jesus Christ has given me for this ministry. Everything about this podcast, everything about my page over there on Facebook. By the way, y'all, y'all should really follow me over there on Facebook. You want to know why? It be going down sometimes in my comments with these false brethren. It seems like on a rare occasion that I have, well, yeah, I have any issues with a straight sinner. They may come on my page and mock and then I give them the word of God and then poof, they're gone somewhere. Okay, but it be the false brethren who think they know the scripture, who are in complete error. Like a few days ago, there was, here we go, thinking these people are in Christ, but are denying the virgin birth. That's a whole nother topic. Because the Bible is clear that Jesus was born of a virgin woman being conceived by the Holy Spirit. And they are saying that she was not a virgin. Whatever the high sound, the high sounding nonsense, according to Colossians 2, 8, 
I wasn't trying to hear none of that. So, what was we just talking about? Oh, right. Y'all need to follow me over there on Facebook. I put in the description of each and every podcast how y'all can follow me. It is under Aunt Cynthia, one word, Whitaker. Okay, so even over there, all I talk about, glory be to God, thank you, Holy Spirit, is about repentance because repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of action. Repentance leads to life because if we look at Acts eleven eighteen, it says, when they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Amen. And so it is a necessary part of salvation. Listen, God commands everyone to repent and have faith in Christ. We see that in Acts 2.38. We see that in Acts 17.30, as well as Acts 20.21. Amen. Unrepentance, okay? Because we can't let sin go unchecked in our lives. Amen. And so we must on a daily call through our day, our lives to see where the sin is. Is there any willful sin? Is there any hidden sins? Do we have a command over our thought life? Amen. Because unrepentance is a serious sin with dire consequences, folks. Listen, the unrepentant, the unrepentant person live in a state of disobedience to God. Now, we know when we fall short, when we miss the mark, when we sin, that is when we go to 1 John 1, 9. That how God is faithful. Because, you know, we have an advocate in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the Holy Spirit who with groans and and with utterings that we don't understand prays for us. When, when we miss the mark, God is faithful and just that once we confess that sin, the Bible tells us in, in 1 John 1, 9, that how God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness amen but then once we repent we don't go back to it because listen the fact that we are still in this flesh body when temptation comes not all the time we should but not all the time do we pass the test so the more time we spend in this word and with the Father, as we get to know Him better and better, we will sin less and less because Jesus gave the command to the woman who was caught in adultery, to the man who was lame in his feet for over 30 years to go 
comma and sin no more. So it is doable because don't let the false brethren tell you, oh, it's impossible to stop sinning. No, it's not. Okay. You don't have a revulsion towards sin. That's why we stay in it. Listen, if I like to eat beets, guess what I will be doing? I will be eating beets. Okay. Nobody can tell me how disgusting beets are. No one can tell me that they're slimy and bloody looking. None of that would bother me because I like beets, but I don't. You can't give me a million dollars to eat a beet. It ain't happening because I have this aversion to it. Just, just talking about it right now makes me want to puke. The smell of it, the, the, the bloody, the bloody looking of it all. And the taste is so disgusting to me. You can't give me anything for me to eat that let alone liver uh, moving right along listen the unrepentant person live in a state of disobedience to god unheeding of his gracious call amen because god calls all men to repent amen so the unrepentant remain unsaved until they turn from their sin and embrace Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And that's what it means to obey the gospel. Because what is it? First Thessalonians 2. What is it? Verse 18 to 19. Or is it verse 8 to 9? But anywho, y'all go look this up. Okay. Okay. It talks about how if we don't obey the gospel, that God's wrath, fiery wrath will be upon the person. Hold on. See now, because y'all going to make me want to go over there and look this up because it's sticking on me now. Okay. Because it's like once I, I can't get my hand truly around something, I'm wanting to go and look this thing up. Hold on. What did I say? I said eight through nine let me see if it's eight through nine or 18 through nine let's say let me see is this it and uh, no okay so it must be um is it first oh my goodness hold on wait a minute y'all just bear with me come on now i'm, I'm trying to find something for you <laughs> look look i'm putting it on y'all right Hold on. Is it 18 to 19? Or it could be 2 Thessalonians. Hold on. Because see, we, we're going to find this right now. Let's see. Let's see, is it? Um, okay. It got to be 2 Thessalonians. <laughs> it got to be 2 Thessalonians. I'm telling you, this is like, it's sticking with me. Okay, is this it? Okay. It got to be 2 Thessalonians 8. Stop it. Second, y'all, please bear with me. I'm doing this for a reason. I, I, I need to. Otherwise, this is just going to drive me bananas. No, it is not Second Thessalonians. It must be one, one Thessalonians. Is it? Is it? Oh, 
anyway i'm going to put it down in the scriptures because this is i can't as much as i study this scripture why no this this is not this is anyway 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 because you're gonna draw me bananas anywho listen like i said unrepentance is therefore a serious sin with dire consequences so king solomon the wisest man who ever lived wrote whoever remains stiff neck after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy and that's proverbs 29 1 so to be stiff necked is to have a stubborn obstinate spirit that makes one unresponsive to god's guidance or correction because the stiff-necked are by definition unrepentant that means they ain't even trying to come up out of their sins their necks are stiff it is hardened they don't want to heed to the command to live holy lives so the apostle paul warned he warned us of the consequences of repentance when he said because of your stubbornness and your unrepented heart you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed God will God will repay each person according to what they have done to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory honor and immortality he will give eternal life but but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil there will be wrath and anger there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil amen because if we look at psalm 62 uh 12 it says and that to you O lord belongs steadfast love for you will render to a man according to his work amen listen there is judgment coming folks the results of righteousness will be beautiful that is why it blew my mind to even think about why leave jesus when you don't have to don't you understand two things there is judgment coming down the pike and there is everlasting joy to the one who remains faithful amen so the book of revelation shows how how sin can be for the sinner okay because even during the tribulation period period after three different judgments of god guess what the wicked would not be doing they will remain unrepentant they will not repent you mean to tell me when you know that these judgments all you got to do is read the book of revelation talking about those seven series of judgment 
that God will be unleashing on the earth and still the people do not repent. Listen, it's going to be tragic. It's going to be tragic because despite their great suffering, they will not repent. Because look, Revelation 9 verse 20 to 21 says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see, hear, or walk, nor did they repent of their murders. Verse 16. No, chapter 16 of Revelation verses 8 through 11 talks about how the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. Amen. So while they are being scorched, while these plagues are doing them in, they cursed God. They did not repent. So, in closing, is there such a thing as an unrepented Christian? Because biblically, to become a Christian, one must repent and believe. Mm -hmm. They must repent and believe. Because a believer in Christ is one who has repented of sin. What then of the professed believers who live in unrepented sin? Well, most likely they are not saved. Because what did, what was it, First John that I quoted earlier? What was it, First John 2.19? Because they left. They left the church because it just only proved that they were not, they were not of us to begin with. They was not one of us. That's why it was just so easy for them to leave. So maybe the reason why they are still in willful sin without trying to repent, because it's one thing when you are in a sin. A particular sin and you seem to be struggling with that but you are allowing the Holy Spirit to convince you of that sin and you are coming out of it your neck is not being stiff your neck is not hard you are listening you are allowing the Holy Spirit to bring you out of that thing that's different but when you feel, I ain't got nothing to repent about, you are not a Christian. You, stop it. You cannot be in willful, practicing, everyday, disobedient sin and think that you are saved and on your way to heaven. You are deceived and you must repent. You must repent. That's not an option. So, most likely, they are not saved. They are merely professors. 
with no work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, the Apostle John bluntly states, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And he said that in 1 John 1, 6. Okay. The other possibility is that people claiming to be saved yet living in unrepentant sin are saved but acting in disobedience which in case their unrepentance is temporary hardness of heart and God's discipline will eventually restore them to fellowship. Amen. So, hey, listen. You could be stiff-necked for a season. You can be hardened for a season. You may actually be saved, but you just being disobedient. Okay. You just, you just going through something, but you need to stop it. Okay. Because you're on a slippery slope, my friends, because in no time at all, your neck will be stiffed and your neck will be hardened to that heart will get hard and cold. And you too will fall away from grace. So stop it. And this is the super close. And I'm going to end it with this. The unrepentant sinner needs to hear the good news of salvation. God's goodness leads people to repentance. And we see that in Romans 2, 4. Amen. And he is a God of forbearance and long suffering. Because you see the word forbearance, that's a financial term. Okay. That's like when you have a mortgage with the bank and the mortgage deed, the, the intent, the, the note on that house says that you must pay $1,000 every month by the third of the month. Because by the fifth, oh, they come in with some papers to foreclose on your house. They ain't looking to give you any wiggle room. The bank is trying to recoup their money. So they ain't got time for you to be messing around months on end talking about how, oh, I lost my job and I ain't got no money to pay it. But... There could be a clause in that note down at the bottom somewhere about forbearance. Meaning that, yeah, they can come in on the 4th and shut it down. But they are willing by their grace and by their mercy and, by, and at their discretion because of your unique situation. They will give you three more months to pull this together and pay us our money. That's forbearance. They didn't have to. Just like God didn't have to send Jesus. <clears throat> he could have dealt with us in the garden, wiped the slate clean, and that would have been the end of that. But in his forbearance, his mercy, 
and his long suffering, his patience in dealing with us could have given us what we rightly deserve, deserved. But once we confess that sin and we repent of our sins, no longer will we be enslaved to sin. Amen. Because 2 Timothy 2 verses 25 to 26 says this, Opponents of the truth must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all of those who have left Jesus, that they come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will, Father. Thank you for giving us the gift of repentance. Thank you for your forbearance. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness because father you didn't have to do this you didn't have to save us but glory be to god you saved us thank you heavenly father thank you for loving us thank you for showing us the errors of our ways and thank you for sending the lord jesus christ because father without him we will be in a world of hurt. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. Well, there we have it. Another one in the can. Lord willing. I shall be speaking to you all soon. Repent and believe that Jesus died for your sins. Obey this gospel. Respond to the call of repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Stay in the affirmative. Don't leave him. And henceforth walk in obedience to God. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. Until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye